I thought it was riding, Welcome to our newest program of the Local Food Roundup. I'm Chris LaPaglia. And I'm Ann Bowes. We're here to bring you our ongoing series of news, views, and interviews about local food here on the Palouse. I'm here with Allison Tompkins, a local beekeeper in the Moscow area. I first met Allison when she was presenting a beekeeping class at the local hardware store. Mm-hmm. And Allison has kept bees for several years now and she specializes in raising broods for people who want to start their own hives. She also captures wild or swarmed bees. Is that right, Allison? Yes, that's correct. Well, welcome. Thank you. Um, Well, let's start right in. How did you first get into keeping bees? I first started keeping bees after my dad and my oldest sister started their own hives. Mm -hmm. They had each kept bees for a couple years and I'd talked to them about it and I was really interested in it. And I was ready to just start, but um, I had to convince my husband first that he wasn't going to get stung if we kept uh, beehives in our backyard. (laughs) So it actually, I persisted, and it it took a couple years before I had him convinced, and we started our our first hive. We did it, yes. Well, how long has it been now? Oh, I don't know. About five years, I guess. Okay, so you've been doing this for about five years. Yeah, and he still has not been stung, by the way. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, and how much of a worry is that? Not much, really. If you if you pay attention to where you place the hives, you you really you mostly just have to keep in mind that there's going to be traffic, mm-hmm. and so place where you place the entrance of the hive is the critical part. So that's going to be. It, I would treat it like an airport runway. There's going to be takeoff and landing, takeoff and landing, and, and don't get in their way. And don't get in their way because they have work <laughs> to do and they intend to get it done. And if you're in their way, you'll eventually you will annoy them, and you may get stuck. <laughs> but um, no, as long placement is is important. Okay. Well, then that gets to what I wanted to ask you about. You help a lot of beginners people who are thinking about it or just getting started Mm -hmm. and so what what's the most common misconception they have getting stung a lot or something else Um, what what are they what false idea idea do they go into it with I think I think everybody has an expectation that there's going to be a certain amount of work Um, But I've been surprised at the number of people who think it will either be easy or it won't take much time at all. There is is a time investment, just as you would have with any pet or livestock or garden Mm -hmm. or anything else. You're going to be investing some time in maintenance. Now, how much, if you have a job, you have kids and family, how much time? What would you say is a good thumbnail sketch of how much you're going to spend, you know, how much time? really as much as you want or as little as you want but keeping in mind if you have 
say if you have two hives, which is actually ideal to start with, because then if one is weak or one is strong or one loses a queen, um, it's easy to balance things out. Mm -hmm. You have the resources available to fix whatever issues might come up. So say you start with two hives, you know, you might, during our main honey flow, you might check them once a week just to make sure that they're not preparing to swarm. Later in the summer, like right now, um, the honey flow has dwindled down and brood production is going to slow and the likelihood of them swarming is really going to decrease. So at that point, you're really just checking to make sure the queen is laying eggs uh, and there are no signs of diseases or pests or anything of that sort. So. Well, now, when you check a nest, or check a hive, rather, mm -hmm. um, how long does that take? It doesn't have to take very long, really. Mm -hmm. if you're Even if you have a full-size hive of two brood chambers, mm -hmm. even with a honey super, um, if I just wanted to do what I would call a quick check, I would lift off the honey super without even lifting the cover, set it yes, aside. But you have to gear up first. You have to put on your bee. Yeah, I do. Gear. So you might spend, you know, 10 minutes. Okay. Put on your jacket. It gets to be pretty quick. Put on your jacket, lift off the honey super, um, maybe pull a few frames, just enough to inspect the brood nest and say, oh, I see eggs. I have a laying queen. Does any everything look normal? Yes, it does. Um, okay. And then close things back up. So, you know, so, 10 to 15 minutes. Okay. And towards the end of the year, maybe just once a month, earlier in the year? Yeah, I would still say... Um, I like to check about every couple weeks, um, but part okay. of that is because of what I'm managing my hives for, which is to produce more bees. It, again, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can, now, are you in the country or are you out in town? I live in town, in Moscow. Oh, okay. So you have a regular sized backyard? I have a normal sized backyard, which I would consider your standard okay. backyard in town. Okay. Yeah. And I guess that means that people can raise bees in town. Yes. I called the zoning folks to check first and they said, um, you know, just as a hobby or, you know, private backyard beekeeper, you can do that. That's allowed. Okay. Yeah. And, but do they have a limit as to how many hives or anything? I don't think so. I've okay. only had up to three hives in my, mm -hmm. my backyard. And then if I'm keeping more than that, which I do now, I keep them out of town. Okay. So yeah. you just have people that want the pollinators mm -hmm. and then what you give them a little honey or something yeah, mostly friends and family and, and okay. yes this, i get a little honey crop each year uh, and then i'm giving it away to friends and family <laughs> okay okay yeah so you want to be on your list in other words <laughs> the honey list <laughs> oh the honey yes yes yeah, well because i'm not managing my hives for honey production um and that goes into sort of a slightly different topic. You can manage your bees for honey production, which means you want the largest population you can maintain without the hive swarming. And then you'll have the largest number of workers and foragers to forage for honey. Okay. So then essentially you have a large workforce and they're going to collect nectar and pollen mm -hmm. and give you hopefully a surplus crop. Well, okay, let's say we were starting um Let's say I wanted to start a couple hives, mm -hmm. and I had a place that I thought was going to work. Mm -hmm. um, what would you recommend? I mean, there's a cost in time. We talked about the time, mm -hmm. but there's also a cost. You have to buy the bees, the bees. obviously, mm -hmm. and a whole lot of equipment. Yeah, so I would suggest, if you're thinking of starting to, to have honeybees, 
I would suggest picking a location first. And it's similar, because I love to garden, it's really similar mm -hmm. to picking a location for your garden. Okay. You want good airflow. You don't want it in a place where mildew, mildew is going right. to be likely or mold and things like that. Because bees, like other creatures, they don't like the damp. Mm -hmm. um, they need air. They need good ventilation. Mm -hmm. um, they need sunlight. Uh, because as soon as that sun hits the hive in the morning, they're going to basically go to work. It's time to go to work. And so they'll be, they'll be active from that time. So it sounds like a good pair, a, a, a good thing to pair it with is a garden. Absolutely. If you're a gardener. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. And then you probably get a lot better production if you have fruit, fruit trees, trees and yes. bushes. and Yeah. Yeah. And actually, well, and so, because we have so many fruit trees in our area, and then they bloom in early spring when our weather is very rainy. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't have a large number of pollinators nearby, uh, at least that's what I noticed with my cherry tree is... I was I was not getting a cherry crop and so well the first year that I kept honeybees I finally got a good cherry crop and I believe okay. it was because I had a hive in my backyard mm -hmm. and not that there weren't other people keeping bees in Moscow but because the weather tends to be cool and rainy mm -hmm. they're not going to forage as far and so um, it does well, help how to have them far, How far away do bees go? They will travel up to two miles. They'll two miles, okay. Forage up to a two-mile radius. Now, if you live, and I live just out of town, mm -hmm. um, I've been told that you have to be careful about the crops when they're spraying the crops. Is that a problem? I haven't noticed it to be much of a problem where I'm at in town. Um, I did keep a few hives in Lewiston over winter last year, and I noticed there were crops being sprayed nearby in September, October, around that time. Mm -hmm. And uh, all three of those hives were doing extremely well, and then uh, one day I went to check on them, and there was a really large number of bees sort of just crawling and wandering aimlessly on the ground mm. out in front of the hive. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of classic symptoms of, of poisoning, of getting sprayed by something or getting into something that was sprayed. So probably an er or not an herbicide, but a pesticide. Probably, yeah. I can't verify it because, again, they forage up to a two-mile radius. Right. But it was right. around the time when I noticed some spraying going on. And so okay. that was my suspicion at the time. Is there something that you can do for that? You can keep them in a different location. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Um, in, some, in some states, I know they have a do not spray list. Mm -hmm. um, there's a state, uh, you know, depart I'm assuming it's a Department of Agriculture through the mm -hmm. state um, that keeps a do not spray list. I don't believe there is one for Idaho. Mm -hmm. um, a do not spray meaning an area where the things are not sprayed or? Meaning that if crops are being sprayed in your area, they are specifically to avoid your property. Oh, okay. And so forth. so that know, doesn't really help. Though doesn't really going... help if you have foraging bees. So there's only so much you can you do. You can do right, mm -hmm. except well, choose a location maybe that's more near forestry rather than um, a crop that's going to be sprayed. Yeah, or know your area and know that they have um, enough forage plants available that maybe mm -hmm. they're not going to go into a, a different area where you okay. don't want them. That's right. If they've got stuff that they don't need to travel. That's right. And they, they yeah. will prioritize. So there's a really great book out there. I think it's called Garden Plants for Honeybees. Uh, and I love it because it's organized by month. And so oh, you can go good. through the months of the year and flip mm -hmm. through and see a listing of plants that provide pollen and nectar. 
and some that would be good to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and so some plants they might be a okay pollen source, but if there's a better pollen source available, the bees right. will go to that. Well, they will. They're not stupid. They will go to the <laughs> the better source. You know, okay. the higher quality food. Now, um, you always hear about clover honey. Is there something special about clover, or is it just simply a widely available? Well, honey's thing? honey's very. Um, so everybody knows that over time, honey crystallizes. Mm-hmm. That depends on the nectar source. Oh. So clover honey is pretty de- desirable because it doesn't crystallize real quickly. I um, see. Aster honey and sunflower honey, those I know are prone to crystallize pretty quickly. Okay. So depending on your nectar source, that's part of what determines how quickly the honey crystallizes. Okay. Other things can influence that too, t- uh, temperature. So you're actually not supposed to keep it at a really cold temperature. That just encourages quicker crystallization. So, okay, so don't put it in the refrigerator. Don't put it in the refrigerator. It will crystallize okay. faster. Oh, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. Well, so choosing location is probably the first thing you have to do. Mm-hmm. But there's a whole slew of things. And I know when I attended your class, you had it by the month. You had it from January through... I think October, Yeah. of a lot of things that needed to be done. Mm-hmm. So there's a timeline and there's a equipment list. Yes. So let's start with the timeline. Yeah, so I put that timeline together to help my 4-H kids because I, I spent a couple years leading a 4-H beekeeping project, which was a lot of fun, by the way. Uh-huh. Um, and so if you're starting with beekeeping you need to order bees because most people aren't fortunate enough to happen upon a swarm mm-hmm. and have all the gear already right. to be you know to be able to collect it so most people are going to start by ordering a package or purchasing a nuke a nuke is short for nucleus colony okay so you can start with either one of those depending on what's available in your area and um, before you get them which pickup time for those is usually April, May. Okay. And um, but don't wait until. But you April. don't want to wait that long because yes, most most of the bee producers sell out. Okay. Uh, well before then, and so the guideline is to definitely um, start looking, if not before January, then by January, uh, because in some years past, uh, bee suppliers have been sold out by February, by the end of February, so people are already taking orders around that time of year. Okay. But then you have, you know, then you have a month or two to choose which hive you want to keep. Do you want to keep a top bar hive or a Langstroth hive? Now, those are the two main. Those are the two most common. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me what the difference is because I've heard that and yes. I've seen them on television documentaries, mm-hmm. but I, for the life of me, can't tell you the difference now. So the standard Langstroth hive, which that's what you'll find locally, that the suppliers have equipment readily available as Langstroth equipment. Those and are that's, the box. Those are the boxes. So if mm-hmm. you're driving down the road and you see a bunch of bees in, in these sort of stacked boxes, those are Langstroth hives. Okay. Um, those are set up to hold uh, either eight to ten frames. And, and the, that's what they build the comb on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and then you can either use foundation or not. Foundation is either wax or plastic in the shape of honeycomb that goes in the frame that the bees then draw comb off of. You don't have to use it. It's helpful if you're starting out because it gives 
the bees a place to start and it tells them this is the direction I want you to build. Okay. Because if you were to look at a natural hive, they're going to build comb in a nice organized pattern, but it might have a wave to it, it might bend, it mm -hmm. might be in only four inch wide sheets, but really long because it's occupying the space in a wall. Um, so we put foundation in the frames to tell them this is where we want you to build so that we can pull out frames and look at you easily mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the, and so we can harvest honey. Yeah, Makes sense. Yes, it does. Um, you know, once you have some drawn frames, you can actually you go without foundation by just putting an empty frame in okay. between two drawn fr frames because the bees will respect the bee space. Mm -hmm. If it's wider than the bee space, um, they will build more comb. If it's narrower than that, then they'll fill it with propolis. And the propolis is also called bee glue. It's basically resin that they collect from plants. Okay. They glue everything together with it. They'll glue the frames in place in so the boxes. So that's their storage area for the glue, basically. Every little nook and cranny is their storage oh, okay. area for okay. the glue, yeah. <laughs> okay. They'll glue the boxes together. They'll glue the frames in place. So that's why if you've ever had the chance to observe a beekeeper opening their hive, you'll see they have uh, a hive tool, which is basically a little metal pry bar. Because they have to, okay. Because they have to pry everything apart that's been glued okay, together. Okay, I see. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a, what do you call it, Lang? Langstroth. Langstroth. And mm -hmm. that's the boxy one. Yes. Okay. What's the the other one? The top bar. Mm -hmm. A top bar hive is just a slightly different um, arrangement. You still have bars, but instead of having a frame with four sides, you only have the top bar. That's why it's called a okay. top bar hive. Top bar hive, yeah. And then instead of stacking boxes vertically, the bars are arranged horizontally uh, along a wider width. Okay. And so the hive itself is usually on a stand. It's up off the ground. There are different ways you can build them. Mm -hmm. um, but essentially, you'll have a series of bars that extend horizontally. Do you horizontally. stack them in the same way you do the others? No. Okay, they're very no. different then. So the top bar hive extends horizontally. And, you know, I'm not sure how many bars it holds because I've, I've never counted. A friend of mine keeps a top bar hive. So you might have 20 or 30 bars in your top bar hive uh, on a, all on the same horizontal mm -hmm. plane. In a Langstroth hive, you'll have eight to 10 frames. And then on top of that, you'll have another box with another with, eight to okay. 10 frames. Okay. And, and then you on can stack them up. You stack them up vertically, yes. So there's a little bit more versatility yes. than with the, the well, Langstroth. Yes, and so it depends too on how much lifting do you want to do. Mm -hmm. Top bar hives appeal to people who don't want to be lifting boxes because then you just open the lid and you pull frames out. I see. But maybe space is tight or maybe you want to have more hives or maybe you just want to be able to buy your equipment at the local hardware store so you keep Langstroth hives instead. Okay. So once you've, mm -hmm. you've decided, you've ordered your bees, Yes. what exactly do you need? You've got hives, how much do those run? It depends on the type. You can buy pre-assembled, already painted equipment, and that is going to cost you the most because literally all you have to do is set it outside. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's been a while since I've priced everything in total, but I would say for all your pre-assembled equipment, you're probably going to run closer to $400. Oh, okay. Whereas if you're buying everything unassembled and 
nailing frames together, stapling frames together, nailing boxes together, and painting them, then you're going to be closer to you know two fifty to three hundred dollars. Okay, so you can save a bit. You mm -hmm. can, yeah. And how much for a nuke? A nuke or what? Or a package? Uh huh. Nukes and packages in this area, the prices are pretty similar, and so those are right around one hundred forty to one hundred fifty dollars each. Okay, and which do you prefer if you're recommending? something for a beginner so well if you're if you're going to have a top bar hive you have to start with the package because a nucleus colony is produced on Langstroth frames I see yes so if you are going to have a Langstroth hive well then you have the option you can purchase a nuke or you can purchase a package okay a, a package of bees consists of about three pounds of honeybees in a screen box which so is roughly how many bees oh gosh I should know that, but I don't. I've never purchased a package, actually. Oh, okay. Um, but it's a lot of bees. It's thousands, yeah. It's okay. Several thousand bees. Um, Considering that they probably don't weigh that much. And how many pounds did you say? It's about three pounds. I know. That's a lot of bees. We'll, it, we'll just go with it's that. Enough, it's enough that you have a workforce that's sufficient to, to give it a go, basically. Okay. Okay. And so then you, you, have, you have your worker bees, and then... The way the package is produced is those worker bees are shaken out of a strong hive and put in the package box, okay. which is a, a box with a couple screen sides. Um, and then there's a feeder can in there with sugar syrup. And then there's also a caged queen. Okay. And then that queen has been produced separately. And she's caged because these bees aren't used to her. They don't know her. And they'll actually kill uh, her oh, okay. if you just toss her in with them. Okay. So bees, pheromones are extremely important to honeybees. Right. That yeah. makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so the queen is put in a cage, which is put in the package. And then that's what you pick up is your, your package of bees. Now, with the new queen. is when you pick it up, is she ready to let out? No. Okay. No. So when you pick up your package, you bring it home, um, you're going to remove the feeder can, remove the queen, and you're literally, it's, it's not very graceful, you're literally going to dump all those bees into your equipment, whether okay. it's your top bar hive or your Langstroth hive. And so you dump those bees in, and then that queen in the cage, uh, there's some slightly different variations, but basically what you're going to do is, is let the worker bees eat through the candy plug that is in the cage. Okay. And by the time they've eaten through that candy plug, they'll have released the queen, they'll have been accustomed to her scent by then, and they will okay. know that, okay, this is our queen, we shouldn't kill her. Okay. <laughs> and and so you check, that's one of the things you check after, uh, at the end of the week, uh, at the end of your first week, mm -hmm. is that they have released the queen. Okay. Yep. Okay. Now, so you've got, you've purchased the bees, mm -hmm. you've got the hive, but obviously you didn't go out there and barehand it. I mean, you've got the Some bee Some people hat. do. <laughs> do they? Some people do, absolutely. I'm not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you need as basic um, bee protection? Basic, you know, just... I would say the basic protection, um, because it can get spendy. You can spend $100 on a full-blown bee suit, mm -hmm. um, but at a bare minimum, I would say you want a, a pair of gloves mm -hmm. and you want a veil. Right. You can wear jeans. You can wear long sleeves, okay. and you can pull the gloves up over your long sleeves, and you can put the veil over your face, and then you're not... You now, know, what about a smoker? Um, does that... for a beginner. Um, uh, smokers are nice to give you a, 
I guess I, I would call it a little confidence. And, and it just calms the bees it down. It does calm the bees, absolutely. Okay. Yes, so when you smoke, smoke the bees, it triggers them. It makes them want to gorge on honey because they, it's... There's a forest it's an, fire. Yeah, there's yeah. a forest fire. It's an emergency. We better gorge on honey because we might have to bail. Okay. And this is all we've got. Um, so it does, it does make them settle on the frames and they won't be buzzing around your head. But as you get more experienced with your bees, I've talked to other people, my dad, my sister, um, and other friends who've kept bees for a couple years, people tend to pick up that smoker less and less. Now you may still end up at one day, your hive is ticked off for some reason or another. Mm -hmm. It might be because the honey flows over and it's 100 degrees out. It might be because yellow jackets have been trying to invade. It might be because we've had a lot of fires and it's really smoky. So there are a number of things that can make your bees irritable. Um, and then maybe it is nice to have a smoker so you can calm them down a little bit then before you... might be nice to have on hand. Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, you've covered the basics here. Do you have some words of wisdom to wrap it up? Um, I don't know, really. If, you, if you're interested in beekeeping and you're not put off by the potential of getting stung, uh, you'll probably love it. They're just, they're just endlessly fascinating, you know, to okay. see the eggs, to see the brood, to find your queen for the first time or even the tenth time. It's just, uh -huh. it's fun. It's, it's really neat. Would it be a good, well, you've done 4-H. Mm -hmm. So kids would actually get quite a bit. Oh yeah, my know. kids are, they were really interested at first and now it's old hat to them. So unless mm -hmm. I have something new to show them, which they've pretty much seen it all now, <laughs> then they're, <laughs> they're not too excited anymore. They still get excited about honey. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a fun, it's a fun experience. And final question. Um, at the end of the year, mm -hmm. if that's when you're harvesting, depending, how much honey might you get? It varies. So you're essentially farming honey at that point, which could depend on the weather. This mm -hmm. year, I mean, I don't manage my hives for honey production, but I would wager that this year would be a great year because we've had regular rain. Mm -hmm. A lot of it's been at night, so it hasn't kept uh, the bees from flying okay. through the day. Um, so that extra moisture, it, it keeps things from drying up as quickly. And yeah, and so it, yeah. I've noticed in my hives that the honey flow has been extended longer this year than it was last year, for example. Okay. Well, the first year, don't count on getting a honey crop. The first okay. year, because in our area, those bees need a, approximately 80 to 90 pounds of honey to get through winter. Okay. And they still have to build all the comb. So they're starting from literally nothing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they've got a lot of work to do that first year. Some people do, though. Mm -hmm. Some people do get a honey crop the first year. I just wouldn't... Don't wouldn't, count on don't it. Don't count on it. Don't be disappointed if it doesn't work that way. Okay. Um, and then when you do get a honey crop, it, you know, it could be a gallon. It could be three gallons. It, mm -hmm. it does depend on your area, the forage that's available, and the climate. Well, then hopefully if people are interested, then they can get in touch with their local beekeepers. Now, mm -hmm. can I give... Do you have a website or a Facebook page? I have a Facebook page. My Facebook page is just facebook.com slash Moscow Bee Co. Uh, okay. so it's not Moscow Bee Company, it's Moscow Bee Co. Co. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's where I post pictures of swarms that I've captured, um, hive removals that I've done, which those can get really interesting. Um, and then just little 
facts and interesting things along the way. Okay. Are there websites that people might want to just check out that they're meant for beginners? There are so many resources out there now because backyard beekeeping has really taken off in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're in a colder climate, so I would encourage people to look at um, issues and and particular things that people in colder climates deal with. Okay. Um, but my favorite resources for beekeeping are beesource.com. Okay. Because there are forums on there. You don't have to join. You can join if you want to post a question, but you you don't it doesn't cost you, you can anything. Search and but you can yeah. just search the forums and it's been asked before, I guarantee it. There's and <laughs> and so you can get, you know, twenty, ten or twenty different answers to your question. So I, I really love beesource.com. And then also Michael Bush Beekeeping. If you Google Michael Bush Beekeeping, you'll find his webpage and he just is a great resource of okay. just pra- very practical uh, beekeeping no. uh, philosophy. B-U-S-C-H? Or no, actually B-U- just B-U-S-H. Just Mike, like the president. Michael Bush. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, Thank you so much, Allison, for taking the time to talk to us today. You're very welcome. And happy beekeeping. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Well, that's it for this show. The Local Food Roundup is a production of KRFP in Moscow, Idaho. As always, the views presented in this program do not necessarily represent the views of KRFP, its board, staff, or members. And remember that local food may not be free, but... It sure can set you free. Thanks for listening.